0: everybody knows that the days are loaded everybody rolls with their fingers crossed everybody knows the war is over everybody knows the good guys lost everybody knows Everybody talking to their pockets. Everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose. Everybody knows. head.
1: that you had me back uh even though you know on your first episode i went all like uh frank cross from <laughs> <laughs> from uh, scrooge to anya uh
2: well <laughs> we
3: we needed that then and <laughs> we may need it today but we definitely needed it then because that was that was when we were getting ready to go into the reality of the shit show
1: yeah, now it's so much worse than what we were expecting it to be as far as I'm I,
3: concerned. I just can't believe it sometimes. You know, I I, I know this... There's going to be some point I'm probably going to have to change the name of the show to Darren and Guess Get Crotchety, but... <laughs> Back in my day, <laughs> politicians
1: just robbed you blind! They didn't try to undo your whole society!
3: Instead of the Joker, it's just the fucking joke. Oh, man. Yeah. The part
1: that is the worst, though, is I was kind of hoping that uh, Bannon's placement was just going to be some kind of ceremonial thing. But no, it's pretty much we got hashtag President Bannon the whole entire time. That's the worst mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. Is the, the white supremacist, fucking white nationalist agenda that is being pushed forward. And he can fucking brag about it at CPAP, and the conservatives think it's like this brilliant fucking thing because of Ann Rand and the Tea Party. I mean, God ah, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> This is just it's so much worse than what I was expecting it to be. It's just so fucking terrible.
3: Did you see where he let it slip and said we at Breitbart?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't even distinguish between Breitbart and the White House at all, which was pretty much a foregone conclusion the minute that a lot more people got hired, you know, from that fucking rag piece of shit site. Yeah. The only upside to this, though, is that uh, because of Twitter campaigns and stuff like that, they're losing their funding left and right. And um, I think that's possibly why. Well, and then again, you know, you can say one thing and then do another. Politicians have been doing that for fucking ever, and that was never going to end. But I think that's why there was a softer tone in Bannon's speech that Trump gave for him. <laughs> <last night. laughs> Because he's he's walking some of it back, and he's like, "Ooh, we're trying to do too much too fast. We have to try and lull them into a false sense of security." And the fucking news main like mainstream news networks out there, like your CNNs and everything, they're even kind of falling for it, where they're like, "Oh, well, maybe he'll be more presidential because they just want life to be normal. They don't <laughs> want to have to be, like constantly be in this fight. They just want to have a president like they're like they're like hoping they can get him to at least calm down enough to where he's like." George Bush evil instead of being like straight out dark side, you know, they they're trying to get him like Lex Luthor evil at least. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. I mean like unless this Russia shit really comes to fruition more and both the the CIA and the FBI actually start pushing that envelope. I mean, it's just part in partisan politics as usual and it's just so ridiculous the party over country and it's on both sides too. I mean mm-hmm. like the Democrats are picking the easier side of things to go against and to try and, you know, do these little nitpicky things so they can make these grand time like like these grandstand things where they're just like looking at, you know, well, well, if I, you know, stretch this out and I ask all these right questions to get my news time, then my constituents will be happy. And then, you know, I can, you know, have this little step where it looks like i'm trying to do something and it looks like i'm trying to fight this but in reality all i'm really doing is rolling over and letting them scratch my belly you know (laughs) it's just it's so fucking ridiculous like they're not i i think probably the only person that really seems like he's actually choosing country over everything else is sanders which makes me even more pissed off that he got railroaded out of his chance to run by the machine that is now currently rolling over and letting their belly be scratched by the white nationalist party. Oh, I'm sorry. Republicans.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just the most oppressive party.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Jesus, man. It's just, just makes you want (laughs) to (laughs) scream.
3: And then they put Perez in charge instead of Ellison.
1: I know what the fuck,
3: man. For those of you that are hearing this part, if I haven't cut it out, Orange pumpkin number 45 did his first joint address to Congress where he said the same thing at least three times each time. Embellished much. I believe the count was 51 inaccuracies or lies and 61 statements.
1: Well, he is getting better instead of all of them or 100%. He's now at a roughly 85 to 90. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, I think he lowered it a little bit because he was getting ready to milk those War Widow tears.
1: Oh, that was the fucking worst! I realize that the Congress had to do what they had to do and look like they were supporting the, the widow the way that they did it. And I, my heart goes out to her. But let's face it, she deserves so much better than what has happened. And why would she even volunteer to be there like that? Do so being used, so being used,
3: and she everybody's was invited. like. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, like, everybody just seems to think that this was such a grand and wonderful gesture. And it's like, no, it's a diversion technique for technique, for fuck's sakes. Like, he's like, no, look at this sad widow and and everything that she's gone through because of my poor decisions and me sleeping while while this operation was taking place. You know, oh, it was the general's fault. The buck stops there, you know?
3: Oh, yeah. He what (laughs) did he say? They did it. They did it. They did it a whole fuck ton of times. They invited her to that speech the day after the guy died.
2: Ugh. Yeah,
3: yeah, and that's, they're
1: trying to get this wartime president thing going, which is why he's beefing up the military and why he's making these grand statements. He's trying to pick a fight with somebody. So, because a wartime president is always more popular, mm-hmm. you know, because, because people are like, oh, it's in times of war. He has to make this kind of decision. Fucking Bush did it, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. that helped him get reelected. You know, and that's exactly what the Republicans do whenever their fucking time starts tanking and everybody starts looking at them a little too closely. They put up a big war so people can raise the patriotic flag and just fucking swing it back and forth, screaming, I love America. Let's go kick some ass. And it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. Stop banging that (laughs) drum. Yeah, no, I just I don't know, man. It just it feels like it's just going to keep getting worse. And I don't I don't think the nation that you and I grew up with is going to be around by the time or at the end of our lives. And I don't even know if we're going to make it to the 250 years that uh, is coming up here in, what, like nine years now or whatever. I, I can't remember the total number right now at the top of my head, but Jesus.
3: Yeah, uh, when, when he brought it up in his speech to Congress, I thought he was either going to say something about on that day... My daughter will be president or something that would still make you cringe or that he was going to bring back the world's huge, the huge world fair. Bigly, bigly, <laughs> bigly world uh, fair. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's
1: uh, just to kind of do like my little my little segue bit here. And that's what <laughs> actually is quite fitting for. I mean, what we're talking about now is a grown up version of exactly what's going on and pump up the volume. The administration and the the people that are in charge of your day to day lives, uh, that that make these you know these decisions on your behalf supposedly, but in all reality it's just for their own benefit. These folks, uh, you know, like a school <laughs> group that you would like a principal and their faculty being taken on by a you know seemingly powerless person that all they really have is their voice and their ability to have people hear them screaming to the void. I mean nothing seems more fitting than that for the situation we're talking about here. So I'm assuming that's why you picked it, but it might've also been because of the whole Devo's thing.
3: <laughs> it was both. I, this was probably within the first five movies I wrote down when I started making a list of shit I wanted to do. <laughs> and then when the whole Devo's thing was.
1: Yeah, I guess pronouncing it Devo's is kind of an insult to Devo because it makes it sound like <laughs> plural Devo's. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Devo also is afraid of bears as well, (laughs) in fact.
1: Yeah, uh, and apparently, well, no, they're not afraid of education because they're all quite brilliant men, but...
3: (laughs) Yes. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure DeVos has uh, whips and strange hats. Um, (laughs) Runs around farm with uh, all that uh, donation money. Whatever photograph that she has laid in the field that her cows shit on when she whips them whilst wearing a flower pot on her head. That's who gets the first million. <laughs> that I've was
1: very it. twin. That's very twin peaks. The way you just <laughs> described
3: that. Uh, I, I've been uh, catching up a little bit or brushing up a little bit on uh, those since the new one's getting ready to come out. Um, I don't think you and I've ever really talked about it. Where do you, where do you stand on uh twin peaks?
1: What like coming it, back?
3: Uh, like coming back and, um, in general,
1: I haven't really watched it since, um, probably about, I think the first time I watched it was probably about maybe six, seven years ago. Like I was aware of it, but I was never around when, um, it was airing kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it just wasn't in my purview then at that time in like the nineties. And so going back and watching it, I think a friend of mine bought it and I was a big fan of David Lynch. I had seen all of his movies Um, pretty much at that point, about five or six years ago. So, like, watching a David Lynch TV show is just basically like watching a David Lynch movie. It's only chopped up into 40-some-odd-minute segments, you know? Mm. So it's very comfortable, and it's like being at home. But unfortunately, one of the movies I had already watched was Fire Walk With Me, Mm. so I already knew the big secret. But, I mean, you know, the, the TV show definitely... I think the thing that the TV show really suffers from is, like, TV show censorship, so David Lynch can't go full bore all the way out like he likes to. Yeah, uh, but everything else about it just feels like you're at home. It just feels comfortable and it feels right. And this one definitely has more of that sort of melodramatic, you know, the the Twin Peaks TV show has more of that melodramatic, almost soap opera quality. Like it really is a soap opera with all these weird things going on, and you know, like yeah. a, a horse a horse dancing under a street light that's hanging from a tree. Right, you know, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I know that was the Simpsons version of it, but um, since uh, our our buddies uh, Duncan and Bo are doing the Twin Peaks revisit for the new series version that's coming back, mm-hmm. um, I decided that I'm going to dive right in because I only ever got through the first season, which is like the movie that starts up and then like that like little six episode run, I think it is or whatever, like six or seven episodes counting the pilot. Mm-hmm. that was the first season. And then I got a little bit into the second season, but I never really kind of finished it because the friends that owned it at that time, we just kind of stopped watching it and went on and did something else. So now I'm just going to go the whole way through and then we'll see what happens with the third season. But I'm very interested in it because Lynch has definitely been kind of going off the deep end, like assaulting people verbally by saying you shouldn't be watching his movies on your fucking phone and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, don't watch it on
3: your phone.
1: Yeah, it's like, take it take it down a notch, dude. I mean, this is just the new way. You sound like a crotchety old man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, uh, was he okay? He was okay with people watching it on their TV. That, now, even though the picture was better or, or bigger, it wasn't better. So you can actually see more on the phone than you could on the TV. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's no worse than the people that go, like, super nuts and say that you should only watch film on film. Like, you have to watch it on 35mm film. That's the stuff that bugs me.
3: Oh, since you brought up Duncan and Bo, and Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks, is that what the series is called?
1: I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's an offshoot of their come correct, so they're coming correctly by going to Twin Peaks.
3: (laughs) I want to congratulate you, dude, on joining the uh, illustrious Legion Podcast Network. Yeah,
1: they adopted us, man. We were hanging around outside the house all the time, grabbing table scraps, and you know the kids were playing with us. And you know, Bo took pity on us. Is like, guys, come on, you're hanging around all the time anyway. Why don't you come on in and have a home? <laughs> <So they're> like, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. He's like, come on and have a home. Now nah. we haven't we haven't moved all of our stuff in just yet. We're still transferring everything over because. You know, it's like 80 some odd episodes, so you can only post so many at a time without clogging up their feeds. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to migrate it over slowly but surely. But once it's all migrated over, everything's getting switched over the iTunes feeds and everything. So it's going to take a little bit of time. But until I get that done, I'm going to be posting on both the Podbean site and on the Legion stuff. But either way, if you're already subscribed in iTunes and Stitcher or Google Play Store, whatever. I'm going to try and get all of those feeds switched over to the correct Legion feed from here on out. Nice. (laughs) It's a lot of work, but, you know, a lot of (laughs) cutting and pasting and just trying to recreate everything and backdating the posts as you do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's worth it in the long run because I have a home now.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. No more uh, standing outside kicking the (laughs) – dingy scuffed white toe of your chuck taylor in the dust
1: yeah can duncan come out and play (laughs) what what about misty huh you know like like gary is gary in there will somebody from legion
3: talk to us we're lonely (laughs) ricky i know you'll talk to me yeah somebody (laughs) brought a kiss record and then they're all like yeah come on in dude this is just sad but yeah dude congratulations i don't even think that was uh that wasn't even the works last time you were on. And you were by the time this comes out, you're only on about two months ago.
1: That sounds about right. Well, it was uh, Ricky kind of suggested it. He's like, you know, you should you should just move in. You hang out here all the time anyway. You might as well just move <laughs> in. And then, uh, Start you know, paying it rent, just, bitch. yeah. And then it just kind of it got kind of set up and and Bo contacted me. He's like, hey, you, you hang out here all the time. Why don't you move in? We're like, OK, <laughs> adopt us. <laughs> That's pretty much it just it happened really, really quick. Like it was it was suggested. I brought it up to Matt and he's like, well, you run the show anyway. I just show up and do what you tell me. (laughs) So it just just happened. At least at least he knows. Yeah, it was super quick. Yeah. Oh, no, he's he's under no delusions about uh, about who actually runs the show, because, (laughs) I mean, let's face it, I have all the equipment. (laughs) what's the what's the thing from the wedding singer i have this microphone so you will
3: do everything i
1: say (laughs) or 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 listen to every word i say
3: listen to every word i have to say
1: right right that's all of why i started podcasting because the microphone is power
3: (laughs) (laughs) the microphone is power and that is why we are talking about pump up the fucking volume today
1: See, I set it up and you spiked that segue just yeah. right. That's that's how you get to be a pro,
3: right there. Yeah, well, that's what happens when I have uh, strong guests, strong oh, I don't voice.
1: Even, I don't even exercise. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's funny that you said that this movie is so fitting. And hopefully in some way or another, all the ones that I picked. But I really think the two that you and I have done so far, or will have done by the time this night ends, is they relate to things that we hold near and dear to our heart, which is antagonizing bastards (laughs) and, uh, rebellion. Um, (laughs) I mean, you said this is America now, and this movie is from what? 1990.
1: Yeah. It was released in 1990. It was shot at the tail end of the eighties as far as I understand it, but it, Yeah, it actually fits just about any time in the right point in which the establishment is what it is, (laughs) you know, or where it is now where you're coming off the Reaganomics era or you're getting the start of the Bush era. It fit perfectly there. And then, you know, whether it's Bush one (laughs) or Bush Mm -hmm. Jr., you know, it fits perfectly for whenever there is a very powerful conservative stream going through the country. And it also fits because the Mark's parents are fucking baby boomers, man, and they're the ones that are really screwing up this country right now. Yeah, they act like they're not, but, you know, they are. They're the ones that are doing it, <laughs> being set in their ways and just getting all upset about how their failures is whatever they were trying to do with their occupying administration buildings didn't work for them, and now they want to be like, well, we can't beat them, let's join them. And apparently joining them means, you know, white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And happy Harry Hardon, our hero, because we all love alliteration.
1: (laughs) Well, and also because he goes to Hubert Humphrey High, because Mm -hmm. whoever whoever wrote this film clearly loves alliteration. And I'm a big (laughs) fan of alliteration, so I was digging
3: that. He kicks off the
2: movie. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling? The whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Think about it, everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Yeah, you got it, folks. It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in white bread land. All you nice people living in the middle of America, the beautiful. Let's see, we're on uh, 92 FM tonight and it feels like a nice clean little band so far. No one else is using it. The price is right. <laughs> and yes, folks, you guessed it. Tonight, I'm as horny as a 10 pecker to So stay tuned because this is a Hard Harry reminding you to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark.
3: Fuck, dude. I mean, <laughs> universal truths are universal truths and history repeats itself, but goddamn.
1: Yeah, and the worst part about that is is things were actually not that bad when he was complaining. You know, when you look <laughs> at it in retrospect, it was the decline into the idiocracy that was just getting started back then, you know. We weren't quite in the age of the Beavis and Butthead, like, hero <laughs> worship, if you will, where being ignorant and stupid was looked upon as a good thing, you know. And it's gotten significantly worse. We raise up people because they say things like, cash me outside, how about that? and they become this, like, fucking internet darling, and everybody wants to pay them a lot of money just to keep acting poorly on screen just for reality TV's sake. I mean, that's what really started our decline when we prop up people that are just fucking ridiculous and just a complete waste of flesh because they're outrageous on screen. I mean, that's what put the fucking Cheeto in the office is the fact that he was a reality TV star.
3: Yep, he had the... uh... Celebrity, apprentice, president, the celebrity, a president.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to if we continue to allow this kind of spiraling to happen, it's just going to get worse. We're just going to keep seeing more and more of these types of decisions made based on a popularity contest as opposed to qualifications, because, you know, you say the right thing at the right time and you get the right people feeling like it's okay to be racist because this guy speaks his mind. So maybe I can speak my mind. You know, even though I'm being used and I'm an idiot, <laughs> you know that's that's basically what's happening. You know, and this whole backlash where people keep using the term political correctness is this political correctness is that, and that's a problem. Like it's it's not a necessary thing where you need to look at it as if you know political correctness at a certain point isn't really a term about other th- anything other than what, what is it? What is the thing I always go back to uh, replace it with? Treating treating people people
3: with with respect.
1: respect. Right. Like, if you think of that, like, even if you're telling jokes that may be off color, if you're saying things that are slightly rude, if you're calling somebody a twat waffle, make sure they've earned it. Because if they aren't treating people with respect, then it is actually, in fact, the better thing to do to not treat them with respect. For instance, Kellyanne Conway being who she is and... You know, being a twat waffle, if I don't call her a twat waffle, even though that may be not politically correct because I'm not treating her with respect, she hasn't earned that. So therefore, it's okay. Look at it that way. Not about giving people respect they may not deserve, but giving basic human being respect where if you don't know someone, how about you learn who they are before you just judge them based on, I don't know, the amount of tattoos they have, whatever skin pigment they were born with. The particular sexual preference that they have, their gender identity, all of these different things that people use to create the star belly sneetch syndrome where they're automatically better than because that thing is the other. Why don't you learn a little bit about that other and then you'll kind of realize that when we're all opened up, we're red inside anyway. So what's it matter? <laughs> little
3: Clive Barker, little yes. Clive Barker there. Little Clive Barker there.
1: We're all books of blood. When we're opened up, we're red. But, I mean, that's that. Uh, what Mark says, a lot of the stuff that Mark says when he's broadcasting, he says some of the most filthiest, Lenny Bruce-inspired, God bless him for that, <laughs> crazy shit. And Mark says the wrong thing at the right time all the time in everything that he does and all that he's ranting. Now, he sees the world from a very strict teenage sensibility, and this kind of happens to you. When you're below 20, you automatically assume that everyone above 20 is completely clueless as an idiot is an idiot and can't see the world the way that you do, that you automatically have these eyes that you just understand everything, Uh, particularly males. I noticed do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. in my teenage years from the time I was 15 till about right before I hit into the twenties and I wasn't, you know, wasn't like 18, 19, you know, when I hit the twenties is when I kind of realized, no, I'm kind of full of shit, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) You think you know everything. Like, you think you understand particle physics when you read, like, one sort of book that may have featured that, that was a sci-fi novel. You automatically assume you know all this shit and you're arrogant as a kid. You're cocky. And Mark is definitely that. And he thinks he has all the answers. He has some, but he doesn't have them all. And I think when you watch this film at the right age, if you see that when you are in that mindset especially as a male, you know, at that age when I saw it. And I mean, 1990s when this came out and I caught this shortly thereafter. I couldn't have been much older than 13 or 14 the first time I saw this and I immediately was like, "Wow, I'm Mark, man. I see everything, you know. And I'm going to fight the system, you know, and all that kind of stuff." But the biggest problem I think a lot of this unchecked uh aggression and uh the 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 rebellious attitude of this whole fuck you i won't do what you tell me hmm. if you don't apply it in the right direction and you're just rebelling against everything all you're really doing is just destroying stuff and while destroying shit is fun eventually you're going to need a place to sleep so you got to build something back up <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and, and like it took me oh god it took me till my mid 30s <laughs> to realize that <laughs> you so know and i'm a couple still days ago <laughs> yeah yeah not too long ago um but you know, like you can't you can't mosh around a house forever punching holes in the wall whenever you're got this horrible draft and you're freezing to death, you know? <laughs> <laughs> eventually exactly. you need eventually you need a place where you can you can fall asleep at night and not have to worry about all the crazy shit that you did during the day. So you gotta take all this rage, you gotta take all this fucking aggression, you gotta take all the shit that you wanna just be like, Fuck you, you can't tell me to do that and you focus it at a specific thing, you know? and i think that's mark's biggest problem and i think that's kind of what led to his downfall is he was just unfocused and he was just lashing out at everything because he didn't fit in you know and that's that's our that's our biggest problem really as human beings and as people who have nature of rebellion i mean you see that all the time in the movement of the music that you and i both love like punk rock how many punk rock uh, ideas and how how much rebellion that they have where they're going to change the world and they're going to do all this stuff but that revolution's not going to get started until that keg gets tapped <laughs> you know what i mean like as soon as the keg is empty man we're going to fucking fight you know we're we're going to we're going to take over the world you know what take the fucking keg out of the equation and save it for whenever you actually get your revolution done and let's see what you can do then you know like Victory what the keg. fuck <laughs> yeah yeah you save the celebrating when you actually get a victory, you know, and, and that's that's our biggest problem is the focus, man. And like I said, it took me until, well, what was it, last week <laughs> for, for, for me to realize this stuff. And so, so watching the movie now, like Mark isn't so much a hero to me as he's a very scared, very flawed kid who is just looking for a way to lash out and be heard because even his own parents don't hear him, they listen. But they don't hear what he's saying. And, and he can't talk to people. He can't express himself. But you put a mic in front of his face and he becomes this bold, outrageous, outspoken being that you can't control, you can't contain, and you can't stop. And yes, that's pretty much every fucking podcaster, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty of it. I mean, th- I would I would be lying if I didn't say that this film didn't birth this, the the creature that is Court Psyops that gets thrown out there on the internet like there's a very big influence on this and i know a lot of other podcasters have watched this film and that idea and doing that radio show and having that platform to just project your voice out there to the world you know even though you may not know what kind of response you're getting from it and you don't get the feedback from you know the people that hear it quite like mark does because he's broadcasting to the people in his school but like the power that that can actually have where You can put out a message there, even when you're just talking about fucking movies, like the response that you get and the people that kind of like I'm still amazed to this day, the stuff that people hang on our every words and come up with some kind of joke because of something that we made them laugh. So they make a meme out of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I am floored by that. And sometimes I'm a little terrified by it, too, because I'm like, I'm like, what if I say something completely outrageous and then somebody runs with it and it becomes this thing? And then I got to, like, walk that back and feel bad about it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) you know like and and i i have no power none at all i'm not even you know a a public figure like like you know like i can't imagine what it would be like to be somebody who has like an entire stadium full of people in front of you that's like millions and millions of people and you just say okay everybody stomp your feet and they do it you know what i mean like that kind of that kind of influence on other people is terrifying to me
3: you know (laughs) so that kind of Turk 182 power
1: Well yeah, I mean he's all he really wanted to do was get somebody to take care of his brother. He just wanted to get revenge on the guy that wouldn't watch out, you know, or wouldn't wouldn't recognize his brother as a hero and who just happened to make a mistake. I mean, that's his that's his power. That's that that was his influence and when he realized that the entire city was going crazy for him It did take him back, you know, like he was all shy and and kind of worried in the interview and he didn't really want to be political. It just kind of fell into his lap this way. And a lot of ways, Mark probably didn't want to be this rebel DJ figure that everybody, you know, listened to. And he sparked this weird teen revolution of taking on the FCC and taking back the FM radio waves. It most certainly doesn't seem like he wanted that, you know, and and it just kind of. He was looking for a way to express himself and looking for somebody to talk to. And he knew that if he could get out there on the radio for somebody to listen to him, maybe he could get some feedback. Maybe he could get, you know, the communication, you know, that just just daily contact with people that he couldn't get in his normal day life because he was too terrified to talk to somebody without the microphone behind him or you know, in front of him. You know,
3: it seemed like an extension of his uh, his creative writing.
1: Yeah, Absolutely
3: when nobody's looking but there's the microphone he feels like like his id or whatever the fuck just comes out and rages because I don't even
1: think it's I don't even think it's so much that nobody can see him when he's doing it I think it's because you've got this equipment and you can control the way you sound you can you can modul- like he modulates his voice with a pitch shifter so he's kind of hiding behind that but i mean You put a microphone like, you know, I I used to be a vocalist in in bands and things like that. And I'm not going to say singer because I was in a lot of like, you know, metal and and hardcore punk. So I didn't actually (laughs) sing, sing. It was more vocalizations. Uh, But when you put that microphone in somebody's hands, especially if they are somewhat introverted, that microphone becomes like the handle of this shield. And as soon as you have that in your hand, it doesn't matter who's in front of you, who's behind you or who's looking at you because you have this mic. And when you shout into that, you're automatically louder than anybody else that's on that floor and you can shout them down. You know, you you couple that with being elevated on some kind of a stage where you're automatically like physically standing above them. And it gives you this false sense of security where if you are this shy person that's introverted and would rather just kind of be left alone in public, you get this weird thing where every single piece of you that's frustrated and angry and needs to say something and wants to get this expression out, it just, it just cuts loose all at once. Now, in Mark's case, it's in his basement where people may not be able to see him, but that microphone's there. It's that shield. It's that that separation from all of that anxiety. It just kind of rips you open and lays you bare, and then everything that streams forth, like that that stream of consciousness that he spits out, because he doesn't work on a script. He's just talking and just to talk. You know, because he doesn't know how else to express himself. And that's where the beauty of the things. Now, I know his stuff was scripted by a writer, but if you look at it in the context of the film, the beauty of the truth that he reveals there and the things that he actually says on how he views the world, he doesn't plan it ahead of time. He just starts talking. And sometimes it just so happens he's going to make dick and fart jokes or, you know, read letters from people and ask them questions about their sex lives or whatever. And then sometimes he goes and expands upon that by doesn't it suck to be a teenager, you know?
3: I I thought it was pretty interesting when I saw that um, Alan Moyle, I think that's how you pronounce the uh, writer-director's name.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, He didn't do a whole lot of other stuff other than this after it. Um, The one that I most notably recognized was Empire Records. I was like, wow, this guy really attaches it like you know, touches into Teen Angst in the nineties, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, that seem that seems to be his his sweet spot. <laughs> right. And there was there's the Lenny Bruce book after um that's the book that Mark returns in the library to the uh unbeknownst to him at this point, the Eat Me Beat Me Lady. <laughs> He's returning the Lenny Bruce book, right? Yeah. And uh, Alan Moyle said that he really tried to make Mark an amalgam of uh, Lenny Bruce and Holden Caulfield.
1: Oh, well, that's... Yeah, if Holden Caulfield could actually have the expression that uh, Lenny Bruce had, yeah, that's perfect. I can see where that amalgamation actually came to fruition in my mind.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the the Holden Caulfield hate for phonies with the... uh, Alleged profanity of uh, Lenny Bruce.
1: Well, I would say using foul language to influence people because that's what he did the best. He disarmed he disarmed people in an era where saying fuck was so horrifying by using that term and then injected their head with all sorts of ideas they didn't normally want to think about because they're already like, he said fuck. And then when they're gone from his comedy show, they're like, wait, he's right. Dang, fuck's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the genius of Lenny Bruce is using foul language and using that sort of shock value to implant ideas into people's heads and get them thinking about something other than their normal day-to-day existence. But that's, that's just pure genius right there. That's what makes Lenny Bruce my fucking hero. Yeah. And I I have to admit, I didn't know Lenny Bruce before I saw this film. And it was because of this film that I ended up trying to find out about Lenny Bruce.
3: Nice. I mean, I don't think you're expected to know who Lenny Bruce is before you're 13. I Uh,
1: expect me to know who Lenny Bruce is before I'm 13. (laughs) Maybe I expect too much from myself in the past.
3: Well, I I think you're pretty forgiving as as we're (laughs) uh, discovering through this talk. You used to feel similar to Mark, and now you're like, I mean, we're all older than we used to be, but since it was somewhat influential in.
1: oh i would say it was very influential at the time <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah go ahead
3: that i think i think you're uh, you're being really nice to yourself a lot of people say they'd like to smack themselves around and i think you're just gently guiding the memory <laughs> of the old you into, oh well, uh, I,
1: I i was barely a human being back then in a lot of regards <laughs> Um I when I when I had talks with uh uh Boz from Little Pot of Horrors, I always mention or, or we talk about how the person I was back then could be referred to as Court the Bastard. Um and I, I lived that, you know, where it was not I and I the whole Court the Bastard thing, I totally lived that at that that time frame. Like there were there was a certain point where I went from being what felt like a relatively normal kid or at least I could pass from being normal as, you know, like pretty much around the time, 12 to, I don't know, 13, 14, right around when I saw this film, I noticed that my taste in music had nothing to do with what was on the radio. It was these weird things that I started discovering here and there, or, you know, a friend of my dad's would leave a tape behind that I would happen to listen to. And it would become like this new thing that I was obsessed with, you know, and I was able to kind of hide somewhat behind, you know, when you're really young, you just really want to fit in. But there got to be a point where, not sure exactly when it started happening other than maybe listening to punk rock and metal and then watching this movie and maybe even like, uh, you know, Breakfast Club. <laughs> and then, You know, like at that at that certain like very formative year when you're like, you know, 12, 13 years old, you start seeing these people that are okay with not fitting in and they don't give a fuck what other people think. And then you look around the people that you're growing up with, and, and for me particularly, I grew up in an extremely tiny community. It was a very small town, um, basically a bunch of small towns, and then the entire county had one school district for like its bigger city limit, and then the smaller rural areas had another one. So people would be shipped around like all over the place to this little tiny school, and you get exposed to people that just aren't really going to fit in with you at all in any shape, way, shape, or form, you know, the the rampant racism and homophobia that I was growing up around, I just felt like that wasn't right. Even at that age, I knew, like, I was like, okay, so what, <laughs> you know? But nobody else really seemed to be like that. So I started realizing, like, I'm not going to fit in here. This isn't a square peg round hole situation. This is, like, literally, like, bright fire in a fog kind of thing where if I don't leave, I'm going to snuff out before I'm even seen. You know, it's just, I, I can't, I can't exist. I'm going to suffocate in this town. And like right around that time, you know, you, you the metal comes into fu- fruition. The hardcore punk rock, you know, comes to play, you know, you get your first misfits tape <laughs> that, <laughs> that somebody leaves behind, you know, I already was a big fan of the Ramones at that time, but nobody seemed to care that, you know, I was listening to something like that because it was a little more accessible, even though it was different, uh, but You just start, you know, you're going to school wearing like a Metallica shirt one day, uh, you know, and and some other metal bands like Slayer and stuff like that when everybody else is trying to wear Bugle Boy and, you know, whatever the fuck they dress like back then. I don't even remember or care. And you knew you didn't fit in. You knew you weren't going to be like everybody else. So you start identifying with these outsider type characters in films and if they're okay with being this way, what's wrong with me being that way? And I think. A lot of cases I may have strived a little too much to be like that because I was so outside of it already so it was like let's just push even further and yeah if I probably met me back then I probably would slap myself around a little bit and be like look they aren't all assholes give some of them a chance you know because <laughs> in, in retrospect there were a lot of good people that I did grow up around it was just I you know it was like you you were born here you, you like it here well fuck you <laughs> you know <laughs> There's, like, you know, you I still have, like, three friends to this day that I grew up with as kids that we all were the same where we're like, wait, fuck this place, you know? Let's just get out of here. That was our main mission, and all three of us made it out. <laughs>
3: you, you know? There you go.
1: Yeah. So, like, having somebody like Mark who's dragged from, you know, where he was, where he did have friends, where he did fit in, and where he did feel normal to this relatively suburbanite, wasteland of Arizona in the middle of nowhere where it's like this shake and bake community. It almost feels like, you know, that just kind of cropped up and every house in his neighborhood looks the same. His freaking school looks like every other school you're ever going to see in a suburban area. And he's miserable. He doesn't like any of it. He can't identify with any of the people. All the girls are different, so he can't even talk to them, you know, and he's just frustrated. He's alone and he doesn't fit in. And again, he's not a square peg in a round hole. Mark's a burning bright flame with nothing but fog around him. And he's about to burn out and suffocate because he's, he's got nothing to, to fuel that fire. And that's why he is why he is the way he is. And that's, I think why at the time I identified with him so much, if I really just going to be open and honest
3: about it. please. So please.
1: yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, and looking at it now, watching it as an adult and seeing like how unfocused he is, with his rage and how he's just lashing out at everyone and everything. And even in his rants, he's talking about how the school system has sold him out and his parents sold him out by coming here and he's sold out by not fighting it, you know, and everything is just, you know, everything is just selling out. And we're all just giving in, we're rolling over, we're, we're just letting it be, but he doesn't really kind of focus in on what is okay with his life and what he can do. You know, like he has this radio show, he doesn't even realize all the people that are writing into him and admire him and, and love what he's doing you know like he doesn't take time to look at that and then be like he, he, he's, if he would just focus just at one point you know by the time he does it I realize why they do it this way in the story where when he does finally focus and actually try and turn what he's doing to more of an activism thing instead of lying back and bitching it's too late you know because he's, it's already over with for him but, like, if he actually would have realized sooner that all these people are writing in, all these people want to hear what he has to say, you know, like, why wasn't he encouraging them? Like, hey, let's let's all start doing this. You know, like, this is how you do this. This is how you set up your own radio show.
3: <laughs> My little guy just got home. Oh, uh, he sounds really excited. <laughs>
1: do we need to pause?
3: <laughs> uh, just just for a second.
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject.
2: No one should have to watch this
1: movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this
2: No one should have to watch this movie.
1: Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle.
2: I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's
1: the next sexual
2: frontier that no
1: one wants to explore.
2: I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it.
1: Hi, I'm Joe Parker, and I'd like to invite you to check out my show, The Hybrid Moments Podcast. I'm just an average guy with a slew of interests, and the podcast is an extension of that. The theme of the show varies episode by episode, but some of the topics I cover include horror, music, comics, just about anything but politics. So if you like a little variety in your life, come on by and check out the show. You can find me on iTunes or Stitcher, or check out the website, thehybridmomentspodcast.com. You can also join the group on Facebook at The Hybrid Moments Podcast in the group section, Feel free to mingle, leave feedback, or suggestions for future shows. That's the Hybrid Moments Podcast with Joe Parker. Tune in to see what I cover next.
4: Welcome to Dorina a Man. May I take your order, please? Yeah, I want... You want Billsperm with that? No!
0: Sexist, racist, homophobes, Aryan nations, and hammer skins. You can wear my nuts on your Nazi chins. I love a man in uniform!
1: Just what exactly are the great historical accomplishments of your race that make you proud to be white? Capitalism? Slavery? Genocide? Sitcoms? This is your fucking white history, my friend. So why don't we start making the history worth being about it and start fighting the real fucking enemy.
0: Swastikas and Klan robes. Sexist, races homophobes. This one's for the master race. My brown power ass in your white power face! Kill them all and let a Norse
3: God sort them out! Okay uh you you still there
1: yeah and i just started rolling again too so we're ready to go all i did was pause it so they'll just be uh you'll hear your kid yelling on my side if you need it <laughs> and then you'll hear me say should i pause it and then we're back in
3: oh awesome dude thanks um not a big deal it happens <laughs> yeah he's he's talking a lot more now so he likes to say hi to everything right. and uh <laughs> But so, yeah, Mark is what it, his dad said. I, I used to fight against the system. Now I am the system.
1: Right. That's one of the things that he goes for or that Mark pulls out and says. And what what I was saying earlier is I think if Mark would just actually use that voice and actually, you know, what he really wants to do is, you know, unite people and do something about it. But. The way that he unites them and he does these he does these like long soliloquy speeches where he's like they, they think you're unstable make them think you're crazy you know burn your burn your stuff in the microwave uh Nuka. stab them. yeah nuke nuke your problems uh stab your people stab your teachers with your plastic forks rise up and fight and like he actually gets these people to action but it's a, this unfocused sort of rioting rage where if he would instead have been like look This is how you set up a broadcast studio that you can do yourself. Um, This is how I did it. This is how you can do it. Um, Here's some information. Read this book. Read that book. You know, you can't afford to be able to do that. Absolutely fine. This is how you publish a zine. You know, this is how you sneak into the room in the fucking library of school and, and Xerox your fucking zine and do this stuff. Like they can't stop you. They can't, you know, keep you from doing this instead of, rise up and burn the whole country down because you're unhappy as a teenager, why not rise up and burn it down and then rebuild it in in the image of the way that you want it. You know, like that's the biggest problem I have watching this now as an adult. Cuz when you're a kid, you're automatically like, yeah, fucking burn it all. Right. <laughs> you know.
3: There is and, no future. And,
1: yeah, right, right. And that's that that punk rock mindset is still very much a part of me, but at some point in time you, you you can't just burn everything and then walk away like you know as nihilistic as you want to be like if you want to get a meal the next day if you want to keep breathing if you want to be able to eat you, you got to have a place to live a place to cook your food and, and a place to take a shit <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh I, if you burn it all you're, you're not going to have any of those things
3: <laughs> yeah I don't know if you've seen the uh the documentary the other f word doesn't ring a bell so I'm going to say no it's about punk rock dads. Um, I mean, there's Tony Hawk, Dwayne Peters, fat Mike from no effects, Pennywise and some, some other people, but I forget which one of them said it. It's yeah. It's fuck it all. I hope I die before I get old. And then I got old. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What do I do now? Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, at the, at the time, like when I was, I don't know, 13, 14 in this movie was like this biggest influence in my life, uh, you know, uh, and made me want to figure out how to do my own radio broadcasting and pirate radio or or whatever. Like, I also was kind of under the mindset of, well, I'm going to die before I'm 20 anyway. I'm bound to be dead before I'm 20 anyway. There's no way I'm going to survive living here that long. (sighs) But I got out and I lived. And then by the time I hit 20, I had this existential crisis where. I literally was like fuck what do I do now you know like that's everybody gets that point where you know you, you can be so nihilistic until you actually have to fend for yourself and then you make it past your point of expiration date that you thought you weren't gonna make it to <laughs> and everybody has it whether they want to admit it or not and once you get there and you realize oh shit I'm an adult now <laughs> you know. I think yeah. it has a lot to do with like the, as soon as you have to pay your own rent you have to come up with your own bills As soon as you've got that responsibility looming over your head, you know, and parenthood is a big one that usually wakes you up if you're not a complete fuckhead that you you have responsibilities and all of that. Then (laughs) that rage that you had, it gets channeled into a different direction where it's like instead of saying there's no future, it's like, well, fuck that. I want a future for this, you know, whether it's your kid or your own life or, or whatever. And that kind of rage, I think, is. Significantly more powerful than this, just complete nihilistic burn it all down to the ground. And I think that's the biggest issue I have with Mark is he didn't he didn't look to rebuild because of his inexperience an and in his age. You know, I'm hoping I, I always wished I, they could do like a what is Mark doing now <laughs> with all of that? You know, like where is where are they now? Like a VH1 behind the scenes of what is Mark doing now? You know, after his uh, really hefty fine from the FCC. impossible jail time if he gets a wrongful death suit going on for that kid that he didn't talk out of suicide
3: i didn't know that the fcc traveled around in limousines but they probably do now
1: the head of the fcc probably would have and they definitely probably do now because they're all about you know consolidating the power not uh protecting free speech you got to punch in that bit where he says hi to the FCC guy here and uh, talks shit to him. And then the guy says something about that's the problem with free speech or whatever.
3: That's just so perfect. That's the problem with free speech. (laughs) I I think he says it twice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's the beautiful thing about free speech. It's not protecting the things you want to hear and nobody ever gets that. It's there to protect people who say the things you don't want them to hear. As much as I may hate these white nationalist fuckholes, they can say whatever the fuck they want because there is free speech, but they also have to realize that their speech is going to be bringing repercussions upon their life. Maybe yeah. not under this current presidency, but at some point they're going to push it too far. They're going to say the wrong thing. They're going to be standing in the right place. And some guy in a black hoodie is going to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen,
3: you know, or worse. <laughs> it's an eventuality
1: just like me. I mean, I run my mouth off all the fucking time on the internet and I'm sure eventually <laughs> somebody's going to recognize my voice out on the street and be like, that's that guy that didn't like that movie that I love. And bam, I'm getting <laughs> socked in the face for that. You know, <laughs> it could happen, you know, crazier shit does happen.
3: It's true. What's, what's, what's a movie that you hate that a lot of people like? Oh no, I'm not going that route. No, okay. <laughs> this is not confession
1: time. Uh, anything Quentin Tarantino. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's hard to say really. Um, I, I just, the other week we were talking about, uh, the entity on the air and I talked about how I hate poltergeist, but everybody else seems to love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too sweet. It's too saccharine. And it's too Steven Spielberg for me. You know, I just, I don't dig it. Like, I just, I really don't like it at all. And the last time I was forced to watch it, I was like a fucking child, like freaking out. Like I'm, I hate this movie. But like everybody that was watching it with me was like, "How can you hate this movie?" And when I explain it to them, they're like, "Well, yeah, it is all of that, but I still love it." I'm like, "Because you saw it when you were a kid, you know." By the time I saw this movie, I had already seen a bunch of other horror movies that were significantly better to me, you know. Just I don't like it. It Someday somebody's gonna be like, "You don't like that movie?" Boom, Poltergeist (laughs) Punch.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It depends on when they when they come to your life, as... (laughs) sometimes uh, nostalgia can be a powerful drug.
1: Yeah. When you start looking back in things, um, you know, nostalgia can be a real bitch. I think, uh, it used to be called forgotten flicks, but it's morphed into another show called retro movie geek. Mm. And they have, they have a term that, uh, they coined on forgotten flicks when that show was out. That was called cinematic nostalgia disorder, which so perfectly sums that up where you're, you're, your, your nostalgia actually makes the things that you saw seem better than they were, you know, because you see it at a different age when you're not as discerning as what you are when you watch it as an adult. And sometimes that applies, and then sometimes you see things differently. Like, case in point, the movie we're talking tonight, a grown-up version of me looks at Mark extremely differently than a 13- or 14-year-old version of me. But the thing is, is I just see potential, and I think he just needed, like, a mentor. He just needed somebody that... He would respect the opinion of and listen to that could have shaped what he does and, and helped him use that voice that he created because he does have it like he has. I mean, I think that's really why people really why people start going after him is because they see this sway that he starts to have over the kids. And it's the old adage of, you know, the teenagers were rising up and taking over the society and taking the power away from the parents because they're they've got the numbers, you know. It's the same thing with our citizens in this country. I mean, yeah, the military may have the weaponry, but we've got numbers. If all of us actually revolted, we could actually take everything back. You know, that whole right to bear arms that it used to be where it was muskets and everything and you had a chance to fight. Sure, we would lose a whole lot of people. But, I mean, that's why the Arab Spring worked in Egypt so well, because it was everybody revolting, you know? (laughs) Yeah, not just half. Yeah, it's all it takes you know that's really literally all it takes if all of the citizens unite a government has no power over them and all it takes is the right kind of voices pointing the right kind of anger in the right direction and you can make that happen and that's why we have things like the fcc that's why they want to like put a harness on the net and get rid of net neutrality they want to control the way information flows to people because if people end up seeing things around them in the right perspective and the right voice, I mean, all it takes is one person. It doesn't have to be anybody all that special, but all it takes is the right person at the right time with the right megaphone or microphone, just standing up and saying, fuck this. And then someone turns around and goes, yeah, fuck this and then the next person and then the next person and it just becomes this domino effect where all of us realize no fuck this and that's it i mean you see it in the you see it in the movie so much all of the kids are at their wits end they're tired of the situation that they find themselves in where the principal is literally rigging the system so that they can get all of this money in and getting rid of students that don't meet the criteria to make them look like this amazing school that they're not Everything is this whole entire smokescreen show. And once the kids all realize it and Mark brings it up saying, fuck this, and points it out and starts going after the guidance counselors, using his inside information that he has and leaking that out. Looking Mm. at you, White House staffers, keep this going. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, like it all it all it takes is that it takes the right person finding the right information, pointing out the right fucked up thing, saying this must end now. And enough people getting behind it. And I mean, it's so much easier to get that information out there now, which is why they want to choke the Internet, because all it takes is retweets, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, retweeting an article enough times you get it trending enough. People get reading it and you sway popular opinion. And that's the power of it all. I'm I'm under no delusions that me trolling Trump on Twitter is going to change anything, but. If it changes enough people's minds to where they start in a ripple effect, I mean, all I have to do is get one rock into a pond and hopefully get enough other people throwing rocks in the pond before the ripples start causing tidal waves. You know, that's that's all you got to do. It's
3: the right angle.
1: Right. I mean, I I'm under no delusions that my stupid little show is going to change the world. I'm under no delusions for that. But you know what? They come for the movie reviews and they might hear a certain swayed opinion that we have during the news where they're like, you're right, man. What's wrong with this transgendered person using the bathroom with which they closely identify right now? You know, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. But you know what? That weirdo court guy who advocates corpse fucking says so. So <laughs> maybe I should think differently. You know, like if I can do that, like if I can sway one opinion in the right direction, uh where and and i don't i mean jesus man i don't want much out of life i just want people to stop being assholes to each other for no reason you know like like things that we can't control how we're born the the shape of our heads you know (laughs) the pigment of our skin the gender that we feel most comfortable in even though we may not have been born that way you know like these are all things that like we really i mean it's it's a curb that is less than like six inches high And yet people cannot step over it. I don't understand that. If, you know, me talking dick and fart jokes for two hours and then reading a news story about somebody who is a douchebag to somebody for being transgender and then freaking out about it opens up one mind. Then the two hours of the dick and fart jokes that I was having fun and, you know, slaving over editing makes it worthwhile. You know, that's why I love your show, man. That's why I love this idea, because if they come to listen about the movie or their favorite podcast or wax on about a certain a belief or opinion and it gets them thinking about, I mean, even if I don't change their position, cause not everybody has to think like me if they did Jesus, how fucked up would this world be. But like, <laughs> like if you just actually th- just stop and think about what you're about to do before you talk shit to somebody, just because they're a different shade of skin tone than you or for fuck's sakes, like, You know, if I can restrain myself from verbally accosting some kid for wearing a misfits shirt that very clearly shouldn't be listening, you know, that very clearly doesn't listen to the misfits, they just bought it because it was at the local hot topic and they thought it looked cool. Like, if I can restrain that anger,
3: (laughs) you know, and that's
1: justifiable in my mind. God damn it, no, but like
3: (laughs) we can all hold our tongue a little bit,
1: right? Right. If I can, I'm just giving an example, you know, like Mm -hmm. like some some kid walking down the street that has a misfit shirt, and I ask him, you know, oh, what's your favorite song? This is a band? Okay. I like, All right.
3: I like Skulls.
1: <laughs> well, that's how you get in the band when you get to sing, apparently, is you just wear a misfit shirt while you're out skateboarding and you get to be a singer. Michael Graves. But, you know, y- you get what I'm saying. Like, if, if for whatever reason, you know, uh, I don't know, if I can if I cannot you know, if I can live across the street from a bunch of religious zealot people who are, you know, dropping by my house, knocking around my door at 10 a.m. on a Saturday when I might be hungover, asking me to, you know, come to them with church or, or whatever because they're afraid for my immortal soul. If I can be respectful to them and say, get off my property before I blow your brains out. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if I can be respectful to them and say, no, thank you, sir. I do not believe what you believe, and I would not like to participate in that without being a dick like if i can muster myself to be enough of a human being for that as angry as i am about religion you can keep your fucking mouth shut if you don't like the way a particular person looks because of their pigment of the skin you can do that it's real easy you put your tongue between a set of teeth and you bite down and you hold it there until you're away from that person give it a try people it's easy (laughs) you know (laughs) it's it's just it's so i don't understand it man like you know, like I don't I don't get it. That's all I want. But if I can get people to open their minds about that kind of stuff, then it's so worth it. And that's what this show needs to do. We need to get people to realize what they're saying and what they're thinking and how they're treating each other before they fucking do it. That's it. That's that's I mean I, that that's the core of this film, really, is trying to sway opinion and using using filthy talk to do it. And I think that's <laughs> That's why Court Psyops was born,
3: <laughs> right there. <laughs> In the darkest times, I feel like the, <laughs> some of the crudest comedians speak the deepest truths. You know, I mean, we've got Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Bill Hicks.
1: <sighs> what I wouldn't give to have all three of them still around right now to be fighting all of this, because oh, nobody God. else really seems to be doing the
3: job. Yeah, them and Hunter Thompson. Ugh. <sighs>
1: Man, he's probably really glad he checked out early. I don't believe in an afterlife, but if he is out there anywhere and he could see what's happening now, his book Kingdom of Fear came true. Yeah. He was he was right. I mean, that's that's the lasting impression that I get from him is he was right. He saw it coming and he checked out before it happened because football season was over, you know. That was in his suicide note. That's why why I said it football season is over is he kept repeating that. You know, like It's been a while like since it, I've read it. Yeah, but that's that I mean, that stuck with me more than anything else it's like the thing I have to look forward to is gone and I'm not going to make it till the next time around like that's the most poignant thing that it makes sense I mean he went out on his own terms I don't agree with it it's not for me I couldn't fucking do it but I just you know I I have to respect the the nerve it took to just be like yeah I'm done you know and you kind of felt it coming anyway I mean if anybody out there read kingdom of fear you you saw it it was there Mm -hmm. that 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 growing discontent with himself and in the world around him and instead of for me you know like that growing discontent that i have for the world around me and some of the things that i'm allowing happening here you know in myself i i i'm not gonna check out myself (laughs) you know like (laughs) like i'm not pointing the gun inward (laughs) you know what i mean yeah I'm, i'm I'm pointing it at the thing that I need to destroy, uh, emotionally speaking. Like, that that rage turned inward as depression, and that's that's what's happening with Mark. And I think that's why when he gets the microphone in his hand, that rage doesn't point inward anymore. It's just like a shotgun blast across the world. But he needed to focus it. He needed to be more of a sniper with it. I, I keep coming back to that, but that's that's what it feels like, you know?
3: <laughs> it needed to be a little bit more of the this machine kills fascists and a little right. less burn it all down.
1: I'm going to chalk it up to his inexperience as a kid because it took me, Jesus, like I said, like another 20 years before, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe 24 years before I realized like, you know, I, I can, I can keep burning all of these churches down, but that's not going to do any good because they're just going to keep rebuilding them. Why don't I try and massage the, the massage the belief structure a little bit and point out the hypocrisy. And again, I I'm under no delusion that every meme I post on Facebook that points out hypocrisy and religion or like a newspaper article that points out something else about the government. That's all fucked up or anything. I'm under no delusions that people are, or aren't reading them or that I am going to sway anybody's mind. But you know, there's sometimes where I engage in debate and, uh, as long as it stays civil, you know, I feel like, uh, I understand either their perspective a little bit better or they understand mine. And maybe I changed their mind, but maybe they changed mine for the better. You know, you gotta be open for both ways.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's all a battle for perspective. I feel like this, uh, last presidential cycle was a little different.
1: (laughs) Yeah. To to put it mildly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of, Shouting down on multiple from multiple angles. Pretty much everybody had their minds made up a couple weeks in, I would say, or, you know, maybe a few months.
1: Well, some of us just settled for the candidate that wasn't the misogynistic racist pig.
3: Yeah, which which became a lot. A lot of stance was, okay. whoever is against that guy. There it is. And
1: (laughs) because it seemed like the only option that you had.
3: And there's seems to be a little... Now that the dust of the nuclear fallout is settling, a little bit more discourse is coming out. And not... I mean, there's, there's extremes on the fringe of all the angles. Again, I, uh, to simplify it, I guess I would say there's fringes on both sides.
1: Yeah, the people sitting in the middle are actually starting to talk. And I think that... um there seems to be a lot more people that were like, "Well, I chose the candidate that I chose for this reason," and you know the people that may have voted Trump and got him in are now starting to see some other policies that they definitely don't agree with. They're starting to see him behaving in a way that they ignored or didn't pay enough attention to before they voted on it and just went with talking points they may have seen on CNN and or NBC or. Fox News or whatever the hell that they watch and they went for it and they just believed it and they thought it was a good choice you know uh, the people that are in the middle on that that are are moderate on the right are starting to see things from a different perspective than they've had and if you engage those folks with the right kind of dialogue where you're like hey what about this and what about that are you in support of this I mean you know you kind of know where people stand I mean I don't think anybody other than the actual alt-right and the white nationalists are okay with the Steve Bannon stuff. I don't think all those people are okay with, like, Gorka from Breitbart's stance on things. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, at least I hope not. Like, if you're a moderate Republican-type person and you're looking at the policies that they're going and they don't make you wince and you're picking party over, you know, your entire nation, then you're not really an American because— this it goes against the fundamentals of what this country is i mean it's not give us you're tired you're poor you're weak and we'll send them right back just to see them put to death like to quote the dead kennedys it's not that you know that's not what we're here for dude you know we're, we're we're supposed to be in this together you know we're supposed to be taking care of each other and does that make me a commie i don't think so because i mean that's part of our policy it's you know out of one you know one out of many <laughs> is is how it works You know, we're supposed to be a a nation of individuals that work together and make it a better world and country. And I don't see the people in the White House doing that right now whenever they're excluding people based on a religion they happen to be born in for a specific country that they happen to be stuck in that they can't escape. You know, like that seems really un-American to me. And I, I would hope that some of the people that are in the middle are looking at that going, well, yeah, um, that's fucked. Uh, Maybe this isn't who I thought they were, you know? I would hope that, and I I would hope that we could get them to look in that direction a little bit more. You know, I can can deal with the gross profiteering if I have to, because that's all of them, (laughs)
3: Mm -hmm. you know?
1: You don't become a politician if you aren't corrupt in that manner where you're, you know, milking the country for all the money that you can.
3: You know, why spend like, millions of dollars for a job that makes hundreds of thousands
1: right right they're obviously doing it because they can they can get the they they can get that back and more through their corruption you know and yeah we need to we need to remove powers from the president's office we need to remove powers from the congress and we definitely need to get that back to the people but the way that they're going about it whenever they say you know this country is yours we're going to give it back to the people Then why are you demolishing everything that benefits the people like the Department of Education? (laughs) You know, why is your whole entire plan to remove what you refer to as the administrative state, which takes care
3: of the people? You're not giving anything back to anybody. It kind of illustrates who they consider to be people
1: yeah I and mean, like corporations you know yeah Dick Cheney said it best corporations are people my friend or was it Rumsfeld that said that I can't remember who one of the one of the Bush people
3: oh, you know they, they all probably said it at one point
1: yeah it's uh it's getting really dark out there and we need <laughs> we we need more people to stand up and say uh, uh the sun's not coming up anymore uh fuck this <laughs> <laughs> you know and and more people need to listen to the people saying that you know to point it point us back in the right direction I don't think anybody out there really believes that the Department of Education was so horrible that we shouldn't have our kids being taught (laughs) you know (laughs) there there shouldn't be a nationwide standard granted I'm not going to say that the nationwide standard was uh, perfect you know because it was definitely too low we're really far behind in education but again you don't burn it all down to the ground and then not rebuild it just because it's not working (laughs) that seems (laughs) to be the stance you know
3: that does seem to be, and I think that was the stated game plan coming back to the CPAC performance by President Bannon when he said that all our jokes are true. Every person was put in charge of the office to tear down the office. So, you know, if- we have Jeff Sessions, who's in charge of civil rights. To remove it. Yeah. <laughs> Betsy DeVos, who's in charge of education, to To remove remove it. it.
1: Like, do they know that? Do they know they're specifically put into place to ruin it? And how do they feel about that? Like, do they realize that? They have to realize that, and they have to be okay with it. I mean, they can't not be complicit in realizing that they were specifically put at their jobs because they're going to be the worst they possibly could be at it. Like, they they have to know, and they have to be complicit at that. You know, that's why they bought their way into it, because... Because it gives them this modicum of power and it gives them like a, a a term that gets attached to their name. And that's all they want. But like, are they that clueless that they don't know that that's why they're there, especially after that CPAC thing? Like, did, did, did they not know that? I mean, <laughs> you know, like he, 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 know. L- he literally said it. Yes, we put these idiots in charge because they will destroy it. I mean, he, he refers to it a lot more eloquently where he says deconstructing the administrative state. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which 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 uh, which page of Lennon's book did you dog ear that from to try and sound smarter than you did you bloated piece of shit Fucking twat waffle windbag
3: <laughs> god he is a big piece of shit and <laughs> I mean the... I think
1: we're being offensive to big pieces of shit by referring to him as a big piece of shit <laughs> and on behalf of all those big pieces of shit out there we may have offended I apologize we just can't think of anything worse
3: than you to describe him as yeah <laughs> I mean, I guess we could compare them all to each other, but that Like <laughs> he's he like is a, such a Trump.
1: <laughs> he's like a he's like a dumpster filled with rotten diapers that's on fire. <laughs> like, I don't know how much more <laughs> awful you could make this man.
3: Fuck that guy. And <laughs> yeah, uh in pump up the volume, we've got a that angry orange haired principal that hates everybody that doesn't fit into her narrative of the world's on fire, but everything's okay because she's got, she cooked the books on the test scores. Oh
1: yeah. That just screams the current administration, the way that this lady is where, I mean, even making numbers get cooked in books. So it looks like the things are worse now than what they are. So that if you do make it worse, it looks better in the long run. But if you do make it better, it looks even better. You know, <laughs> with the economy, they're already doing that. It, she she represents like okay, so uh, she's pretty much you know President Bannon, and then uh, her little guy that's the vice principal is actually Trump running around, you know, Keeping acting students. hard and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, acting hard and talking trash and being like, what do you refer to Trump as? He was a blunt instrument they hit things with, and he doesn't realize that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. can't believe his bruised ego got over that i'm pretty sure that uh bannon has more stuff on trump than even russia does and that's why he's still in power because he's talked down about that man on several different occasions and usually you don't get away with that with that dude his ego is way too fragile for that so it has he's got to have something you know now i sound like a conspiracy theory nut but
3: (laughs) (laughs) we're just grasping at straws of logic and yeah. I'm not sure how well that's going to work over the next few years. We might have to delve into the absurd. But
1: well, you can't you can't apply logic to this this current administration. Just like when you actually look at uh, uh, what's her name, Ellen Green, the 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 teacher who finally has had enough, and then she gets fired, and then she just basically grabs the records and proves what's been happening the whole time, being a whistleblower. We need more whistleblowers. People get out there, blow those whistles. Um, <laughs> yes like like she brings it out she, she does it in front of the Mark's dad who's in charge of everything and exposes this fraud for who she is and then everything falls into place now granted this was a person acting on her own she wasn't actually influenced by Mark to do it it's just that he exposed what it was that was fucked up it's, it's like you know I keep equating it to punk rock because that's something that you and I both gravitated towards so much in life uh, yes, but I mean all it takes is somebody like a, a Jello Biafra writing about the current political climate bitching and moaning about it in a song during you know during the time that the dead Kennedys were running and even now to this day with the spoken word stuff but all he has to do is start pointing out all these things that are wrong and all it takes is the right person to hear it that has the ability to get to the proof <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and that's that's It's an indirect way to where Mark actually had something happen just through his chaos that he created. But if he were actually speaking directly to the teachers that may be hearing him because of... Like, okay, they have the big uh, parent-teacher conference, and then he starts talking and he goes on his rants and his raves. Obviously he knew that teachers were going to be listening. Well, why didn't he talk directly to them and tell them to start investigating and looking? I'm going to chalk it up to inexperience and just being a kid again, but... Yeah, I, you don't
3: think that far ahead.
1: No, not at all. He's he's more concerned about making masturbation jokes and uh, humping a dress that came out of them packing in the basement or whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, he humps his mom's dress. I wrote that down, and I was just like, that's <laughs> that's kind of weird. He's humping his mom's dress, and everybody's running around with a seven-foot-tall, I would presume, paper mache Right, somebody...
1: Somebody built that. Some kid built that. Uh, I'm hoping it's papier-mâché. Um, I think that uh, Ken uh, pointed out on one of our posts when we were talking about that we were doing this that uh, he thought it was like an inflatable dick that they purchased somewhere mm. and it looked like papier-mâché or sculpting or something like that, but someone somewhere built and or purchased a seven foot inflatable penis or built it out of papier-mâché and are running it around the school as if it's a mascot.
3: As you would do <laughs>
1: <laughs> what better way to fight the power than with a giant phallus? I suppose. Talk hard. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, you're you're using foul language to influence
1: people. That's the whole plan.
3: You know, I've got and uh, see. Luckily, I don't have a you to take these sound bites. Well, I guess you're recording, but <laughs> you know, it's running around saying, "I've got the biggest dick around. Pay attention to me." <laughs> Oh, I could totally use that against you, but you're not on my show. Uh, I have
1: I have I have some morals. I don't pull it out of other people's shows, you know. That's,
3: <laughs> that's not how I roll. Well, I, I'll obviously that'll come up a lot in conversation with me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the Mrs. must be very happy then, I would assume.
3: That's it's why she lets me do all my podcasts. <laughs>
1: ah uh, yes you're a kept man is that what you're yeah. saying
4: <laughs>
3: yes sir i'm i'm kept but i'm kept well <laughs> oh if only i could be a house
1: boy dude that'd be awesome
3: wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know i had the uh 20 some odd years of playing in a punk band which that's great great job training and then my uh... yeah that's
1: always going to give you a career doing nothing (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. and then i went and got just to make sure that i got a career doing nothing i got a english literature and creative writing degree (laughs) (laughs) i laid down my coat on a cold winter night for a lady in a skirt and she married me later so (laughs) manners help every once in a while (laughs) especially at a punk show
1: yeah don't be a dick you know it pays off
3: (laughs) don't be a dick talk hard Uh, and believe in
1: believe in romance because it can
3: fucking happen (laughs) it can it totally can you're you're a happy man yeah yeah um 18 years actually
1: um by the time this goes out it'll be past. but uh we marked two anniversaries because we got married much later in life be just because it wasn't really something we felt was necessary until it came up. But, uh, it'll be 18 years that we've been together by the time this has been released. Wow. Is the, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> 18 years and, uh, all of them happy, whether she believes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we've, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my life with her for, for the world. We've officially been together half of our lives as of this
3: year, pretty much. That, is a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. Almost over half actually, now that I think about it. So, I mean, yeah, romance does happen and, uh, you, you can actually, you know, monogamy can be something too. You know, it's not some kind of weird myth. It may not be for everybody. I'm not saying everybody has to live this way, but it is possible. It just takes a little bit of work and a whole lot of understanding.
3: Yeah. You just got (laughs) to find your own eat me, beat me lady.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't think my wife would prefer to be referred to like that.
3: <laughs> You've just got to find your own queen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I'll edit that first part out.
1: Maybe. No, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I'm just fucking <laughs> well, with I you. She doesn't
3: listen. She shouldn't listen. She might listen because you're on, but. Ah, uh, uh,
1: well, that might actually be a good reason not to listen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that fucking guy talk all the time
1: yeah uh, well this may not be this may not be much of a shock from people that have heard me you know kind of admit a whole bunch of stuff about myself I didn't think I was going to but uh, you know you get a mic in front of me and I'm like this most dangerous being on the face of this earth you take the mic away from me and I'm a lot more shy and introverted and awkward in front of people <laughs> yeah it's that
3: it's that shield man so <laughs> uh, there's that yep. hard hairy goes away <laughs> Yeah, that sounded weird, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've i been told that, uh, well, not by a lot of people, but my wife says that I have an uncanny ability to make anything sound kind of dirty.
1: <laughs> uh, See, and I try, I, I try so vehemently to make that happen, where everything I say is innuendo or can be taken as innuendo and, you know, stick it in your endo. <laughs> yeah. <ooh. laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's the whole crux of my show is Matt and I constantly trying to say something to break the other one up and mess them up and, and, and be like, dude, that's wrong. That's foul. (laughs) That's, that's our whole purpose.
3: A safe place to push buttons and experiment in the PsyOps lab. (laughs) I think I might steal that. (laughs) Please do. Please do. You've, uh, you've given me a lot to steal over the, (laughs) over the short time we've known each other.
1: Oh, you're Um, too kind. Uh, did you have anything in your notes that I, I've kind of been talking over top of you? So maybe I should just shut up and let you bring out some points that you want to make about this.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoy the freeform conversation. and I think it's going well.
1: Uh, the current state of podcasting, it's if they don't like it within a certain amount of time, they just turn it off and might come back later and give you another chance or might not. Mm-hmm. And if they if they do like it, they never tell you or they'll give you some feedback on Facebook about it or, you know, Twitter or whatever, like. The way it used to be where you'll get emails, hate mails, voicemails, whether it's love or hate, drunk dialing, anything like that, it's kind of gone. And I think social media has kind of taken that over where you get more direct feedback. You know, hopefully you're getting some of that in the group. But as your show grows, you you get more and more of it. I mean, we're just coming up on two years for ours. And it's been amazing. Like, it's grown so exponentially that I'm just I'm blown away. Like, it's I'm floored and I'm flattered every time like anybody makes a meme or does anything like that, like, <laughs> you know, you make some stupid joke or you say some stupid thing off the top of your head. And then, you know, somebody's requesting you make it a needle drop so they can hear it every week. Cause it made them laugh or, you know, like you make a meme out of the, you personally made the meme out of this is not the sickness with which I am down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this offhand thing that I just said, and it becomes this thing, you know, where people are like, yeah, I like that, you know? And it's, <laughs> it's just so flattering you're like wow (laughs) golly that's uh that's just great guys thank you you know you're just you're just amazed that you know people could could hang on a word or a phrase that you say and like it so much when you know it's just so offhand and just weird and it's it's so
3: flattering and it it makes your ego so huge bigly huge bigly huge (laughs) i'm i'm glad you liked that uh this is not the sickness with which I am down because I spent a couple minutes. Somebody said data entry and I had some really bad <laughs> photoshops of data from Star Trek uh, popping up in doors or windows. <laughs> I, I didn't think anybody would get it because it was really not focused on.
1: Well, if you put it at the top of it, did someone say data entry? <laughs> <laughs> the pun alone makes it worthwhile, you know? <laughs> Well, and the thing that's really impressive, too, is uh, the stuff that they actually do where uh, his, you know, he starts, he he has these moments where he'll have this rant or this rave and they'll start latching onto a catchphrase or what have you. And then, you know, that stuff ends up becoming this, you know, this this thing where he says something like talk hard or so be it. And this catchphrase becomes this thing that they they all latch onto and they all feel. And so they all go for it. You know, it's, it's just this thing that everybody latches onto. And I'm sure that when he keeps saying the so be it over and over again, I'm pretty sure he doesn't think that, you know, everybody's going to latch onto it and that's going to be the thing that everybody, it becomes a part of it, you know, or, or a part of this big thing. He doesn't he doesn't intend it to be that way or, you know, any of the other phrases they make signs out of or even the fact that he's talking about hard ons all the time. So it becomes the symbol of their rebellion to have the giant paper mache one or whatever, you know, like I'm positive that he didn't think that that influence was going to happen. You know, like I don't I don't I don't think he had any inclination that this, this was going to take place at all. You know, I think it just ended up being this thing. And that's you can't people try to manufacture that kind of stuff with their branding and Mm. all of those kind of of maneuvering and try to get people to, you know, like create a cult film just by making something kitschy and cheesy and putting a bunch of sharks in a tornado. And it works on some people, but for (laughs) others, for others, they're like, no, that's just a stupid idea. And people are celebrating the fact that it's ridiculous. And you know, that's, that's really not that cool. You, You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't manufacture cult status and make it be authentic. You can't manufacture um, something that's going to catch on with people and resonate with people just because you're trying. Because I can't think of any of the pop punk bands that came up in the wave of Nirvana's route that actually changed people's perspectives and changed their lives. They were just a distraction. Whereas somebody would listen to the right phrase that one, like one black flag song, you know, spray paint the walls or, or whatever has a lot more effect and a lot more resonation and keeps going with people than a million punk bands, you know, that were like in the wave of like Green Day and Nirvana that no one really cares too much about nowadays. You know, like if you're, if you're trying to change the way people think, you can't force it. You can't just like take this subculture or this underground thing and then just manufacture it to be what you want it to be for yourself you can't you can't force it you can't make it happen you just be yourself and if who you are resonates with people people catch on and you're there <laughs> you know like I, I, how many people actually have had their lives changed by the album dookie has that happened i mean i'm not saying they're bad musicians and i'm not saying that like you know that 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 they can't you know they they can't have a voice they got it much later but like the album Dookie, I can't remember anybody that was like, you know, that song Longview. Man, it, it changed my life. It made me get up and fight. You know, like no that, <laughs> you know, like Nirvana's Nevermind. I, I can't think of a single person who did anything other than like start dying their hair purple because of that album. Like I don't think that changed anything. I don't think that that perspective of anything. And it's it's the it's co-opting this movement and this belief and turning it into product and you know then the alternative way of looking at things ends up being this thing where you know it's it's a lifestyle it's a haircut you know it's doing liberty spikes and automatically you're so against the system but you took all that time to do the liberty spikes dude but what what else are you gonna do
3: I'm gonna blow your fucking mind
1: yeah, we're taking up a collection. Oh, awesome. What are you donating to? Oh, we're getting a keg after this show. What? You know? And then, the like, the bands that... A lot of the bands, man... I won't I won't mention the specific ones by name because I've been lashing out at enough stuff tonight. But, like, uh, there was a huge wave of these political punk bands, I remember, in the underground scene and, and above, where... I mean, and this happened so much in, like, the late 90s, early 20-odds, that every show that I went to, where it's like everybody turns into crass all of a sudden when they're on stage and they talk and they talk and the feedback comes and they preach at you for an hour. You get like three songs that are two minutes apiece And then these sermons about how they're going to change the world. But the minute they hit off stage and then you want to actually talk to them about how they're going to do it they They don't have the time for you. They got to go get their keg. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's why that, that pseudo movement died because It's not so much they weren't practicing what they were preaching, but they were preaching things they refused to practice, and they also were not really actually involved. They were just doing it because it was the hip thing to do, and they thought that this rebellion thing could be repasseled and get them somewhere. You know, like, that's that's my biggest issue with this kind of stuff and, and with the youth, because there's a lot of kids that, even in the movie, that are taking what Harry's doing and they're turning it into... Well, I'm going to hang up this sign here, and that's, you know, like, the the perfect example is the kid who gets kicked out because of how he dresses. He's not getting the message Harry's putting out there. I mean, he is rebelling, but he's just rebelling for the sake of rebelling the entire time. Uh, The girl Paige takes it in a completely wrong direction where she literally nukes all of her stuff, destroys her kitchen, um, destroys her perfect, beautiful face. And when you're a kid, you think, yes, yeah, subplant all of those expectations. Fuck Yeah. (laughs) But when when you're an adult, you're like, you motherfucker, your parents paid for that shit and you're burning down your kitchen. No, I mean, you still see like, you know, she's obviously troubled and she's lashing out and she's begging for help. But at the same time, like she doesn't get the message right either, in my opinion, because what she could have done is used her status as that that perfect kid and just showed up and they would have let her speak if she didn't blow up her kitchen the night before and maybe her message would have been heard and she could have swayed some more minds, you know? But they're kids. They don't they don't think that way. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's a disorganized front.
1: Right, and that's my biggest issue with a lot of this stuff and a lot of these, like, I want to call it alternative movements or opposition parties or these political stances where you can get up, you can say fuck you or fuck this or fuck that, but then... Not offer any alternatives or a different stance or a way of looking at it that's an alternative. You know, like if you're going to say, fuck you, you racist pig, why not say, fuck you, you racist pig? This person is a human being. They just have a different skin tone than you. You are genetically the same as as this person. You have, have more in common with this person genetically than you do your own flesh and blood look at this. This is a fact. This is how it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? This person doesn't have the same religion as you because they were born in this area. That doesn't make them different. That makes them born in a different region. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we we got to stop with, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, man. I say fuck off and fuck you and fuck this and fuck that and go stomping off and <laughs> want to smash a brick wall and I need to bring it back myself and be like, okay, This is wrong. And here is why, you know, and I'm trying to take that approach more in life. And I'm trying to get other people to see that, too, that we need to have civil discourse, because once you take a hard stance of, well, fuck them, you know, they don't deserve this because you you've lost the argument, you've lost validity, you've lost the point, (laughs) you know,
3: because it's a deconstructive criticism.
1: Right. It doesn't go anywhere. It just stops dead. And once our discourse dies, once civil discourse dies, our civilization dies, too. <laughs> and, and Harry was so close. And that's the thing that frustrated me this, the most with this film. We were all so close <laughs> in this time frame and it just got brought into making money and, and turned into another wave of just uh, manufactured corporate money machine stuff and you know with DGC and it's not you know let's call it alternative it's the same thing when punk became new wave you know because you know you can't have punk but we can have new wave and you can be new wave and then we'll repackage it and everything will be okay you know (laughs) put a skinny tie on it and then we can sell it for money and everyone will love my Sharona (laughs) you know (laughs) it makes it less offensive you know we'll just talk about sex and drugs and rock and roll and everybody come on let's get together and have a good time and then no one will have to worry about the trickle down economics (laughs) the people's houses being taken from them because their wages aren't being paid away a living wage you know and we saw it in the 80s as kids we just didn't realize that what was happening we saw the repercussions of that when we were trying to come out of it in the 90s but didn't quite make it and now it's back around again and if we don't learn from the stuff that Mark,
3: I lost you for a minute there right after you said, if we don't learn from it. Oh, I, I rambled off anyway. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, Skype. Skype happened. Yeah, that's the <laughs> problem with recording on Skype. It's always a bitch, dude. I'm, I'm always worried when we record this that I'm going too off in my own little world of my rants and my raves. But, you know, if I'm going stream of conscious on this one, I mean, and maybe you should throw this at the beginning, but if I'm going too stream of conscious on this one, it's very fitting because at least that's how Harry talks and thinks, too, and doesn't backtrack from there.
3: He just spews it out and deals with it. <laughs> yeah. you know, let the chips fall where they may, I think, is another thing that he said.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping it comes off more like um, a, a more organized thought process of a rant from Henry Rollins than, say, a mad crazy about to play with my own poop
3: Rant like GG Allen. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds all a lot a lot closer to Rollins than than <laughs> Allen, for sure. And if there's a place to go off on a long tangent, it is here on the Psycho cast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um yeah. that's like I feel
1: like the less I prepare for the show the better. Like I looked up a bunch of stuff to talk about how to do your own pirate radio. Mm-hmm. you know, and what websites to do and everything. And then I was like, nah, that's not as interesting as what we could be talking about, which is the ideas behind what made Harry who he is. Or at least that's how it ended up spewing out of me. Yeah, that's... Well, The actually, you can, you can get yourself uh, plenty of websites out there for doing pirate radio. For instance, just with a quick Google search of the words, how to build an FM transmitter, you can get schematics um, from websites like Instructables and everything like that. If you wanted to do that, it's uh, it's definitely out there. Now, if you're concerned about doing your own pirate radio and you're wondering what the penalties are from the FCC, I also looked that up as well. Recent actions include $15,000 of forfeiture, which was pr- proposed, which happens to be you lose the equipment. The, U- uh, the FCC and U.S. Marshals will seize the equipment for pirate operations. Now, the reason that pirate radio actually exists, it goes back to, and here's a quick history of pirate radio for everybody out there. I didn't pirate mean radio- to
3: make you do this. I hope oh, you're no, okay with it.
1: No, it's totally fine. I'm, I'm good. Uh, this is my comfort zone where I'm using things that I've actually looked up ahead of time and I'm prepared. So, <laughs> um, Pirate radio, if anybody doesn't know out there, the history of it actually comes from literally being on a ship off the coast where you're international waters, where you then use your broadcast to go to a large landmass. Uh, it happened a lot in the '60s in England because a lot of rock and roll wasn't allowed on terrestrial radio, like that the BBC actually controlled. So yes. some people would buy like giant liners, you know, like like uh, like old oil rigs or whatever, and go live out there in international waters. They would cycle in DJs in and out, you know, for weeks or months at a time or whatever. Uh, there's even an amazing movie about such a thing. That I believe is just called Pirate Radio. If you guys want to check that out, yeah. but
3: Or you and Gregor will come after you.
1: (laughs) And they actually broadcast into the mainland in England all of this stuff that was not allowed on regular terrestrial broadcast over there. Now, in America, we've actually had a history of pirate radios as well, but usually it's on shortwave bands or things like that. Very few pirate FM stations are actually famous out here, but it does happen usually you would have like a guy in the middle of nowhere broadcasting to a small town or something like that, that would happen or a gal, you know, I'm not going to be sexist here, but the thing that's beautiful about pirate radio is as long as you keep the signal low enough and you don't go across state lines, it's really hard for the FCC to do anything. You notice actually as well, uh, the, the thing that they had about where Mark's stuff is starting to be rebroadcast across state lines that's when you end up actually getting more in trouble because it's the Federal Communications Commission. Now, there are local like state enforcement agencies for that sort of thing, but it's kind of hard to catch somebody. You have to be able to triangulate the signal and all that kind of stuff like they showed. And in a lot of cases, I mean, I'm looking at an article from 2010 where it says that pirate radios, uh, radio pirates, do not go to jail in 48 states. Odds are so good. there's myth there's these myth stations and things like that. yeah so it's out there now broadcasting on the fm in this day and age i want to point out kind of i mean it's it's kind of a antique historical cool thing to do if you want to be a pirate and get your voice out there but you're listening to this now so you're already aware of where i'm going with this <laughs> podcast folks you can spend the same amount of money Just mix it down to an MP3. It is then time shifted and ready to go for someone to listen to anytime they want. Once you get it all down to an MP3. And it's there forever once it's out on the internet. And what's even more crazy is if you do a show that someone can become obsessed with. They'll even collect your episodes and keep them. And probably reshare them as well. I've seen that happen. (laughs) Where people still have episodes. Like there's shows that I'm obsessed with. For instance the B-movie cast. Mm-hmm. um That show has been going for so long. I think they, so many years. I can't even remember the number of episodes that they have. But shortly after the main guy Vince had passed, they were concerned that they were going to lose all of the episodes. So people that were fans took it upon themselves, including myself, to archive his show and and keep it alive in some way, shape, or form. And like this version of MST3K style tape trading started happening, where it's like, hey, I've got these episodes but I don't have these until we could keep them all out there. Now the show didn't go anywhere and all the stuff still exists, but that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can also use resources like archive.org. And I do believe there are people out there that do that. And I don't think they charge you to put stuff out there on archive.org to run your stuff off of. That may not be the most accessible route to go for servers, but you can do it. And if you want a podcast, you can be that voice that stands up and says, fuck this you can use social media and get your message out that way too. We're doing it. (laughs) It's real easy to to do. You know, it doesn't take that long. Anybody can. Yeah. It doesn't take that long to be efficient at what you're doing. And computers have changed the ballpark completely. You can get one USB mic like Darren, a nice computer, a decent program that can record, take a little time to learn how to edit and paste stuff together on that program. And boom, you're a producer. You know, blogging has made writing and uh, and getting to learn how to be a writer so much easier, you know, Mm -hmm. and you've got 150 characters to promote yourself in Twitter or 140 or whatever it is. You can put it out there. You can just start tweeting your stuff. You can post on Facebook. You can get a group together. And you know what? Podcasters happen to be some of the most accepting and inclusive people on the face of this earth
2: i've found so far
1: and that's the place where i want to live and that's why i love it so much it's so amazing because we help each other it's it's the community i want to see the world become and that's what i love about it and i think if we all work together to do that if everybody has a show yeah it'll be super saturated but it's the new way of communicating right (laughs) (laughs) you know like Like we we can actually, you know, like we influence each other's lives by producing these shows and and giving each other feedback. And, you know, I mean, it's it's like bands trading tapes while they're on tour with each other to sell at each other's merch tables, man. Only now it's so much more community minded and so much less about just being able to afford gas money.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You sleep in a more comfortable bed generally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't go on tour. My 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 life, the way that it is now where I'm grounded at, I can't get my voice out there by getting in a van and getting up on a stage and screaming, fuck this every night. <laughs> but you know what? Once a week I can talk about a movie and then for a certain part of the show I can scream fuck this into the mic with my, my pod- podcasting cohort and any guest that I can get on Skype. We can all say fuck this. I can put it out there and it's going to be out there until whoever is our servers go down, and as long as I have the MP3s archived, I can keep putting this stuff out there. And until they take my internet, they can't keep me from doing it. That's the beauty of it. And I can say anything I want. I can say anything I want as long as I'm not trying to incite violence or anything like that. And even then, I guess I can say whatever I want free (laughs) speech-wise. But they can't stop me. That's the beauty of this. You don't need to do pirate radio anymore because we have podcasting and you can keep the spirit of what you see in this movie, pump up the volume going with MP3s. And it's so much more powerful now than you could ever imagine. It's amazing. (laughs) Just do it. And if you want to know how to get it to a show going, just contact me. I promise I'll help you. (laughs) It doesn't take me very long to explain a few things and point you in the right direction.
3: It's true. You've helped a lot of people. You helped me. Uh, like like Mark says at the very end, when they're zeroing in on him and he's lost all his shields and he's just speaking from the heart, much like uh, Court, you just did. The whole world is crying out for healing. Start your own show. Keep the air alive. Take it
1: Take back. Take it back.
3: Yeah. They
1: can't stop you. Take it back. Right, and... You know, there are a plethora of politically minded podcasts that are out there, but not everybody's going to say the same thing that you're going to say if you want to talk that route and you can wrap your stuff around movie reviews and bring voice your opinion and how you feel and use the fact that they're coming for the movie review like I do on my show <laughs> and maybe inject a little bit of your own personal beliefs and people might tune you out or they might shine you on but some of them might listen and maybe you can help them realize that whatever perspective they have they need to take another look at i don't want to change your mind about something if you're that fucking adamant about it but you know maybe you need to look at it more you know more more with more conviction and realize maybe what i'm thinking <laughs> maybe what i'm thinking isn't right you know there's been plenty of times where I've said some stuff where Matt has shouted me down right in front of me, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right there, where he's made me reexamine some of my my beliefs and some of the things that I've had to say, because, you know, until I say it out loud with him right there, I don't realize how outrageous it is. But uh, everybody out there in Podland seems to be OK with me. <laughs> Either that or they keep coming back for the drunken guy sitting next to me. Don't know which.
3: It's a unique experience.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a very bizarre thing. I mean, especially for you. I mean, you haven't done a full-fledged solo solo cast because you have a rotating group of guests. But when you go it completely solo and you do the show on your own, that's the one that I'm really dreading. (laughs) Because if I don't don't have anybody to play off of or anybody to kind of rein me in, which happens on your show all the time because you seem to really just let me just go off and... And rant (laughs) you seem to really love my ranting but like if I don't have somebody like Matt like looking at me like okay shut up dude like I'll I'll go on forever especially when you put the mic in front of me you know I'll I'll talk until I have no voice (laughs) and so if I do a solo show I'm afraid of what that's gonna be you know because I'll just waffle on until someone tells me to stop I think all right well I think I'm kind of running out of stuff do you have anything else
3: (laughs) I think well I, I really don't think that anybody that tuned in at this point, well, if, if you're here for the very first time, we yeah, don't really just... go through point by point from the movies. But this movie is, what, 27 years old now?
1: Yeah, Jesus. It's... Everybody in it that was a teenager is an old man now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or an old woman. <laughs> the spoiler statute is over on that. When, when we were getting ready to go into this, all I really hoped that we might get to, youth, rebellion, censorship. <laughs> I we, could have probably
1: use a little censorship on this episode.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie probably launched countless podcasts, whether people realize it or not. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about it today. With somebody that kind of helped me push my podcast out into the ocean, out onto the (laughs) airwaves. This was a good talk, man. I'm really glad that at least I think it was a good talk. Was it good for you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) A lady never tells. No, I I had a blast. And again, I'm sorry if I just waffled on too much. I tend to do that if you don't rein me in.
3: (laughs) No, no, this, this is the place. This is the place to stretch out. I just hope you don't fly. lose any listeners because of my crazy ass. <laughs> oh, I, they are not numerous, but they are loyal.
1: <laughs> I think they're far too numerous to enumerate, sir.
3: I think, I think we covered everything. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about movies that people hold near and dear. I should have <laughs> done it earlier on.
1: <laughs> like we should have like you and I should have opened your your whole show with this and then done Turk 182 later then. <laughs>
3: yeah. That that may I I think it couldn't have started any other way than the way it started. But if I was the type of guy that orchestrated well thought out plans, we might have switched it. And yeah, <laughs> started with Pump Up the Volume then had You Come Back for the Turk 182.
1: Well, if you listen to those two episodes together, you will get a whole lot of insight on uh, what made me who I am. Definitely. <laughs>
3: yes, it'll be an ongoing saga.
1: <laughs> yeah, my appearance of, of have been uncomfortably autobiographical
3: on your show, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Next like, time, uh, <laughs> <we'll> pick something <laughs> less serious. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but the nature of your show is to talk about such serious things, but maybe something a little less autobiographical next time and a little more politically minded, I think. <laughs> 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 and, and, and of course, if your listeners are willing to put up with me waffle on more, then I'm always happy to come back when you want me. So I'll just uh, put that out there now.
3: You are always welcome. I was afraid to ask you back too soon. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll just invite myself back. Uh, fuck your couch. I'm here. It's it's me and your dog. We'll yeah. just lay on your couch and chill.
3: Oh yeah, that's the spot.
1: <laughs> Every couch is the dog's spot, man. That's just how it works. Exactly,
3: and you know pitbulls. Pitbulls love to be pillows. Well, maybe you don't know.
1: Oh no no, those are those are evil, violent, awful awful dogs. People. Yeah, no, it's the breed. It's the breed, man. The breed's evil. No, I can't even. No, I've I've been around plenty, and uh, you know it's little shit, ankle-biting chihuahuas that I found that are a lot more pain in the ass than anything else.
3: <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, mini pinchers hate me with a passion for some reason. Like all dog, even dogs that people say hate everybody generally like me, but min pins growl at me like I'm a fucking ghost.
1: <laughs> Wait, like the band Ghost? Why would they growl at Ghost? They're an awesome band.
3: Well, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of feedback. They have a bad roadie. <laughs> Somebody
1: turned up the suck factor tonight. We got to cut this off before it gets even worse, man.
3: Yeah, we. I mean, we covered the transformation of Wallflower Mark, sort of. Uh, I guess we have to hope that uh, he gradually changed into a more active or rea- rather than reactive young man. After he got out of FCC prison,
1: I don't think. I think he got some hefty. His parents probably got some hefty fines. They took his equipment. Um, he probably got some probation. Uh, he could or he could possibly be implicated on brought up on charges for like a not necessarily wrongful death, but like a. Uh, a manslaughter or you know, be held accountable for that kind of thing for the kid who committed suicide but he never actually said do it he just didn't talk him out of it and he's the wrong person to talk to that would be like blaming a friend who took a phone call from a kid who's about to commit suicide I don't think that would stick in court either and then they might have him for like inciting riots or something possibly but really Mark's not getting in a lot of trouble they make it seem like he's going to jail for a very long time at the end of this movie and I don't think that's going to happen, even if he gets railroaded away in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ACLU is coming in for this kid's free speech and, and helping him out and getting him a plea bargain. And then he's going to become like a talking point, And more than likely, he'll get a job as being a shock jock. And then, you know, it won't be a real happy ending for everybody that wants him to be something else. And he'll just start, you know, waffling on in the air, uh, probably like the local radio hosts out here making his dick and fart jokes and occasionally interjecting a few things that might help bring about social change. That's what I see for him. He becomes the later 90s shock jock type people. But the kind, like what we have out here where I have, where I am locally, they broadcast out of Omaha. They're called Todd and Tyler. And they're mostly just talking crap. And they talk about dick and fart jokes and all of that kind of stuff for sports. But Every now and then they'll start talking about politics or they'll start talking about something that actually has some kind of bearing or some meaning. And they interject their own personal pinko commie philosophies that some people around here might think. Mm -hmm. But by doing so, they get some people that ordinarily wouldn't listen to that kind of thing. They get them to listen to it and they get them to think on a different perspective. So that's what I see Mark doing. I see him using that kind of system. And dialing it back just enough to be able to interject that kind of thing into the world. And I hope the best for him. I hope he gets to do that.
3: I hope you're, if you're out there, Mark.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, imaginary character, if you're out there, I hope you're doing that. I hope you didn't become Imus in the morning.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're keeping the air alive, even if you're not. <laughs>
1: and talking hard.
3: <laughs> and from there, I want to thank you, Court. For calling in. Why don't you uh, tell us where else to find you and yours?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to shout me down and call me out for making fun of your favorite 90s punk bands, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop. I am court psyops on Facebook. You can start posting your hate for me there. We have a Facebook group, which is Cinema Psyops. You can ask to join. We'll let you in. Don't be a dick. That's all I'm asking. (laughs) and We have a lot of fun there. It's not as huge as a lot of other podcast groups, but uh, the fans are loyal, they're faithful, they're wonderful. Uh, We have crazy memes. uh, I'm calling them alternative photos, where people start photoshopping things to make them more fun. Um, Some of my personal favorites are the ones with Kellyanne Conway's legs being gone underneath the couch. Uh, (laughs) Our boy Dan did this really cool thing where it's like her legs were chopped off and dragged over to the desk to be served in front of (laughs) <laughs> in front of uh trump and then the one that you did where she's sitting on the chair without legs next to the crypt keeper was beautiful <laughs> for your psycho semantic cast like i'm loving those i really want to see more of those happen so i'm 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 asking here and i asked on my show that's going to be released and i'm going to keep asking guys keep doing those those are great and i'm going to refer to them from here on out as alter- alternative photos <laughs> <Genius>. <laughs> where they've been where they've been photoshopped to be fun so uh we got to do something to stay sane folks that's all i'm saying uh in the Facebook group there. We have a Facebook page where you can like us, PsyOps. We're on iTunes. You can search for I- PsyOps there. We're on Stitcher. We're uh, currently on Podbean, but we're also on Legion Podcast, moving everything over there. But uh, I'm also going to try and see if I can get the feed to stay alive for people that use Podbean as well uh, from bringing over Legion. And you can find us, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, on the Legion Podcast Network main site which just do a Google for Legion podcast. It'll be like the first thing that pops up. And then you can find us in the list of podcasts along with many other wonderful and probably more talented people there for their shows.
3: Thanks again, dude. I'm glad we could have a little bit more of a conversation.
1: Oh, this was a blast, dude. Yeah, um, I I really, really enjoyed recording with you here. I just hope the show ends up turning out as good as it felt recording it and let's just hope that it does and uh again i i can't wait to come back whenever you're ready so (laughs) all right
3: that
1: i I already have one i already have one in mind actually that'll be perfect and it still fits in our current political climate
3: i've been very fortunate that you know you and other people that i've had on have had a lot of really good suggestions what i want to do is talk about what's important to you whoever I'm talking to and me because I, <laughs> I, I always want to talk about what I think is important, but people coming from different directions onto a central point And we're just seeing where that, where that leads. Uh, it sounds like I smoked a lot more pot than I have, but
1: <laughs> well, you didn't use my favorite buzzword to hate, which was it organically develops man. And like, <laughs> it's this beautiful growing living thing. No, it's just something that happens naturally through synchronicity, where you have like-minded individuals discussing a similar topic that they're both passionate about. And the way that it develops is wonderful because they have very similar viewpoints. It's when you get people that have disparaging viewpoints that your show's really going to go off.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that.
1: <laughs> Which it could actually be like if you have somebody on a different side of a topic than you, that could really be a good show too. Like, I'm not saying that that's going to be a bad thing. I think that could really be awesome. You just have to find someone that doesn't agree with you. But you know what? In the podcasting community, it's still too much community minded. I don't think you're going to find somebody like that without going outside of it.
3: I am always looking to have just a conversation. If you disagree with me and we still have a conversation, that's good. And if you have something you feel like you could add get a hold of me
1: if you were moved by the events of this particular topic you can go ahead and check it out here
3: i figured i would try to do this a little bit more often so here we are the internet defense league internet defense league.org works to try to do things like prevent congress and The orange Führer from doing things like they did just over a week ago by repealing FCC regulations that prevented our internet providers from selling our information to advertisers. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. We've all been kind of losing at the hands of the people that are supposed to represent us lately, but they're worth checking out and being part of. There's also Fight for the Future, fightforthefuture.org. They're pretty active politically. Their little blurb is, fight for the future is dedicated to protecting and expanding the internet's transformative power in our lives by creating civic campaigns that are engaging for millions of people. We beat back attempts to limit our basic rights and freedoms and empower people to demand technology and policy that serves our interests. More coming soon. This is the first time I've been to their website, but I've been getting their emails on political actions and things that have been going on like the slow dismantling of internet privacy and they're a good group to follow, they're a good website to sign up on to keep abreast of those situations. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know if this is if this is better or if you guys prefer just conversations in the group. I've been putting a lot more stuff in the Facebook group, facebook.com/groups/psychosemanticast. So I've been trying to stay active in there and you guys have been great but I'm kind of doing a little mix and match, and we'll see. We'll see how um, this goes. But I'm gonna keep working on improving the show, and if this is an improvement, I'm gonna stick to it. So,
1: sort of like a Jerry Springer's final thoughts, only like you know actually pertinent.
3: Thanks everybody for listening. Remember to duck and cover. And fucking talk hard.
5: Try to make me stay Down upon my knees Tell me that I'm wrong And right is just a dream Someone has to pay Oh, oh, oh It's the American way I should just go home You say I don't make sense I don't know what I need what I need is to lose democracy. Someone has to pay. Oh, 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 you are not to blame. I should just go home. But I do not believe you anymore. You've been lying to me for way too long. You exist for me, not the other way around. We are not your children. You cannot tell us to stay inside. We won't ever go. You can run, but you can't hide from us all. You seventy eight down my throat and you You think I will not cough and spit it in your face we are not afraid though oh. we will not behave nor will we go home I do not believe you anymore you've been liking to me for way too long You exist for me, not the other way around We are not your children, you cannot tell Us to stay inside, we won't ever go You can run, but you can't hide from us all